1: Welcome, this is Hashtag Gen Z, a podcast that explores Generation Z, who they are, how they're different from other generations, while also being an incredible blend of those who came before them. We explore what they think is cool, what moves them, and why they do what they do. I'm your host, Megan Grace, and it's so nice to have you here. Today's episode focuses on Gen Z pursuing careers in politics, government, and civic service. As Gen Z is rapidly becoming a larger portion of the youth voting bloc and aging into eligibility for elected office, this topic feels important to include in a season about careers in Gen Z in the workplace. A 2023 career study by Axios on Gen Z found that just 14% of those in Generation Z between the ages of 18 and 29 said that they want to spend the bulk of their career working in government or for a nonprofit organization. This is less than half compared to those in that same study who said they want to work for larger medium companies. Working in politics and government doesn't just mean running for office. There's an entire industry of government workers that help keep societies and countries operating. Another study conducted by the nonpartisan nonprofit Partnership for Public Service found that Gen Z is actually underrepresented in the federal workforce compared to other cohorts. In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with Brianna Carmen, an award-winning nationally recognized political expert with a career in women's rights and young and underrepresented community engagement. Brianna is currently the political director at Emerge where she has overseen the organization's efforts to train young women to run for office in order to see that Gen Z is represented in our institutions. In this role, she's helped more than 1,200 alum serve in public office, including a 67% win rate in 2022 for young candidates. Previously, Brianna was at Voto Latino, where she led the organization's voter drive and turnout campaign, registering over 6,000 voters with a focus on young voters. Please help me in welcoming Brianna to the conversation today. If you travel, Well, welcome. I'm so excited for this episode exploring uh, yet another avenue of careers, structuring work, and exploring how Gen Z is really navigating the new frontier of work. And I'm, I'm joined by Brianna uh, to talk about this discussion around Gen Z and pursuing a career in politics and government service. And if you know me at all, uh, you know that I'm an avid civic engagement, be involved in our democracy kind of human. So I'm very excited to have Brianna as a part of today's conversation. Brianna, Welcome.
4: I'm excited to be here.
1: Brianna, tell me, I know I've been able to learn a little bit more about the work that you do with Emerge, but please tell me and tell our listeners who you are, what do you do? And, you know, for many people, understanding young people and kind of the journey that you took to get to the role that you're fulfilling right now.
4: Sure. So like you said, my name is Brianna. I'm the political director at Emerge. I grew up on the US-Mexico border in El Paso, Texas, and I feel like, you know, growing up right in that community really shaped me, my perspective on politics and realizing how important representation is. Um, I don't come from a family of donors or necessarily political people. So it was really through my experiences that I started becoming more civically engaged, politically active. And it started really with an internship in college where I worked for the local member of Congress was offered a job to run their campaign shortly afterwards and really was just kind of thrown into the wolf's den, if you will, and learned through trial by fire how to run a campaign, managed a successful one for US Congress, and then hopped on a US Senate campaign right afterwards. And really all of those experiences led me to this interest in people running for office and really to what I do now, which is helping women run for office at this amazing organization called Emerge.
1: So before we get into what Emerge does, you got to name names. What awesome campaigns did you work on? You can't just like let that slide in there and not give us the deets.
4: Yeah. So right. Being from El Paso, Texas, former congressman is Beto overwork. So my senior year of college, I managed his US congressional campaign race, won that, and then was the interim Senate campaign manager while we waited to raise more money to be able to hire some more staff.
1: It's a very casual campaign. Um, Very, very casual. Uh, I was a big fan. Uh, Certainly, I couldn't vote for him. I live in Tennessee, but uh, I liked what he was about. So um, that's fantastic. I'm glad that you got that very... I imagine that was a very foundational experience early in your career to really set the tone for what you're doing now. Um, And I know that you shared a little bit about what Emerge does to prepare people to be running for... um, Political office, but tell us a little bit more about the organization um, and the specific work that you do before we get into a little bit more of the career stuff. I'm just, I'm sure people are interested in, and kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's behind the scenes, but the work that is done to prepare people for this kind of work.
4: Sure. So it definitely takes a lot of effort when we talk about women running for office really the common understanding is that you need to ask a woman about seven times before she feels like she can make the jump. So that's really what my team and I are doing in the background is once she feels like she can make that jump or even a little bit before is providing the knowledge, the skills and the training. So that way, as she's running for office, she feels like she can do it. Really a lot of the information on where to go file, how to figure out how many people need to vote for you, what does this position do, Um, that information tends to be gatekept. So really we're democratizing it so that way people who aren't traditionally represented in politics actually have a shot and our women run and they win at amazing numbers. So usually if you're a first-time candidate, your chance of winning is anywhere from about 10 to 20%, whereas with the candidates that we train, the first go around, they win at about 45%. So we really feel like we are supporting them, providing the important information on everything from campaign strategy to how to fundraise and how to win at the end of the election.
1: You know, I feel like, um, so I'm an election official. And so I see it from a very different side of, uh, the, the, the political scheme of like, I'm like, I don't really care who you vote for, just like go show up and vote, right? Like, um, But I think I hear it often of people are like, how are these people, the people that are on our ballot? And now I feel like I know someone that can help me understand how these people got on our ballot. Like that is your job is to figure out how we help people that are more reflective get on our ballot, demystifying that big question of like, how did we end up with these choices, right? And really trying to prepare people for choices that maybe align a little bit more with how our communities are actually reflected um, in that process. So um, I know we're gonna have a ton to talk about, probably to take some of it off, offline. But I know you mentioned your upbringing in Texas and seeing um, really how politics plays a role in your life at a young age um, was something that you've already mentioned. Uh, What else initially drew you to wanting to work in politics and helping others run for office?
4: I will say it was something that I fell into, right? I wasn't five years old and thought when I grew up, I'm going to be on the back end, helping people become politicians I really had the amazing opportunity to meet people who were running for office who really cared about the communities they were from, and seeing just how much involving people in the political process means. I mean, when you try to engage communities who feel like the people on the ballot don't look like them, the people on the ballot don't care about them, and you change that narrative, flip it on its face, and here you have these amazing women running for office who look like you and I, who are from these communities, who are talking about the issues we care about, that's really what gets me excited and that's really where i feel this energy this momentum that we are really changing things it's not just the status quo it really is you know making the world a better place as often as that's said but that's true here
1: i think that that is a message that so many people forget about. And you've really started to break down that. When we have people that are more reflective and representative of our communities, it makes people feel like the government sees them and hears them. And I think everybody wants that. And so I think the work that you are doing is fantastic. Regardless of where you fall politically, I think that just the mission of what you all are doing in this specific work that you do is helping people be seen and citizens be seen through their representatives. And I think that that is so deeply impactful, not only for people that are of voting age, but people that are on their way to becoming of voting age and younger people seeing that this is a pathway for them, which kind of leads me into my next question. Um, How do you think that politics and government service and kind of serving in this capacity as a profession aligns with what we know about Gen Z? I, I believe you are Gen Z, so you get to speak a little bit on your behalf of your peers. But how do you think that this aligns with this cohort of young people and what they're looking for from a professional space?
4: Yeah. So unfortunately I missed the Gen Z cutoff by a year. I'm a millennial. I was born in 94. So
1: I know they're just, Um, you know, they're really cool. (laughs) They might let you in. If you like write a letter and say, I like you guys, please let me in. Right. Like I'm way past that one year cutoff, but you're close enough. You're close enough. You're like neighbors.
4: Yes. Allow me to share some grandmotherly advice. um, (laughs) If you don't want to invite me to sit with you, that's totally fine. I get it. Totally cool. But, You know, I will say when I think about Gen Z and how society frames them, and sometimes it takes on a paternalistic view where it's like, oh, these kids are coming into our work forces and they're changing things. I think that really actually gets deep down to the root of politics, right, where it's this battle between the old guard and the new guard and the new guard constantly bringing in new ideas and innovating and pushing us and really pushing us to be better that's where a lot of these new ideas improvements come from is from this conversation this dialogue it's this back and forth and i think understanding that it's a back and forth can be a challenge right because politics is a practice in delayed gratification people have been working on issues like healthcare for decades but it really is these new ideas, new sentiments, new experiences coming in and pushing us to be better so that way we can have those conversations and actually get closer to an ideal.
1: Absolutely, and I think that when I think about what what Gen Z is looking for in work and what we've seen in our work and research is that they want something that is meaningful, that creates an impact that is and and they're very motivated by like the betterment of the world for others, not just themselves but others. And that's where I kind of see, and I'm sure you see it because in the work that you've done, whether that's in campaigns or in your current role, you're probably seeing a lot of young people drawn to like the mission of wanting to just use the government to make people's lives a little bit better. It's like a wild concept, I'm sure. Do you see that present with some of the Gen Z that uh, you interact with as you're either preparing them to run, which is wild, that they get to run now? I love that for them or those that are supporting campaigns.
4: I do. And I will say, you know, it's a really amazing experience to see people who are so excited about government and are excited about running for office. And I think it really is the perfect place if you want to support the betterment of community to get involved in this like broader ecosystem that is like the political governmental space, because then you really get to engage with people one on one or see your policies implemented, and support people and work on issues that you really care about.
1: Yeah. And I think that drawing all these connections to the research that we see, and it's the thing that Gen Z cares most about in relationships is shared values. And I wonder what the world would look like if we had more Gen Z politicians or more Gen Z working within politics where their biggest priority was establishing relationships with people with shared values and having those conversations. Because I think deep down, there's a lot of things that we, and I will just say as a US in the country, Like I think there's some more similarity than there is difference. We're just all saying it very differently. And so I wonder what the world will look like when Gen Z is in those positions uh, and is able to kind of navigate those conversations. like We care about just bringing people together and figuring out the thing that we care about as opposed to like dividing us out by what we value. Let's figure out where our common ground is sometimes I think our world would be just a little bit happier if we put Gen Z in in the place to lead. And so I'm sure that there are many people listening, whether they're Gen Z or no Gen Z, that are interested in the kind of work that you do, whether that's through kind of the work you've done with campaigns from the actual campaign side or your current role where you're preparing people to kind of take on a campaign. Share with us, you know, what are some of the more rewarding things about your work? And then- what are
4: some of the challenging things? So I will say, I think the rewards and the challenges are the same or opposite sides of the same coin where I get to support women who are some of the first in their family, the first in their community trailblazers, what we refer to them at Emerge, run for office and win. So I sat in through one of our trainings in Tennessee and this stuck with me where we were introducing ourselves And one of the women who's taking our trainings was mentioning that, you know, she lives in Tennessee and she is the mom of two black boys and is also Muslim. So how does she go knock on doors and talk to people about voting when, you know, because of her identity and how she presents herself, that's already a conversation when you're talking about a rural Southern state. And so I really enjoy getting to help prepare women to, you know, present themselves fully for how they are, the values that they share and build community that way and talk about real impactful change. Well, also understanding, and this is the part that's hard for me is that we are working within a system that was designed not to embrace people like us. So we are slowly chipping away at that by the more people, the more representative um, elected officials that we get elected but we are still really fighting against the status quo that has left a lot of communities without the representation they need and because of that terrible policies that they face daily.
1: That's such a beautiful way to like frame a, a challenging thing, but that Gwen has done really well is like such a rewarding thing because I can certainly see that. And I'm I am glad that there are people like you. you're so calm. I'm sure there are times when you're like very fired up, but like so calm about such a, challenging job of fighting what is more or less a system that's been around for hundreds of years and feels like it never changes and you're we're really trying to like evolve things here with the representation to see it forward and um man i the calmness that you bring to that like i really appreciate that because i think i would be i think i would let i would fall into the challenges a lot with a lot more anger than you are presenting right now.
4: What's the delayed gratification, right? You're practiced. You're practiced in it. The system has taken hundreds of years and it'll probably take us many, many more years to fight what's been built. Yeah,
1: and I think that that's a really, I hope people are hearing that and listening that like, no, one election cycle will not change everything. No, one uh, term is not going to change everything. and we want things fast in our society. And so I'm glad to hear your messaging around like it's delayed gratification, um, or satisfaction, whatever, you know, look at as like, we're taking at least one step forward. We're taking one step towards what we hope the future will look like. Um, and that's the hard part about being a human is the patience, I guess.
4: Yeah. Um, It'll change one thing. It won't change everything.
1: Yeah, because it's ultimately a system, right? And if there's all these pieces that have to fit together, we can change one piece of it, but that doesn't mean the rest of the system changes. It evolves it slightly um, in a positive way, but other pieces have to fall in line together. So that's our PSA for the friends that want everything to be fixed by one government official all the time. I know there are Gen Z that are very fired up, whether that is through their absolutely shattering what we know about the youth voting block turnout rates, as you probably are aware of, or having an interest to run for office themselves. I know that we've had a few members of Congress um, that are members of Gen Z, but I know that there will be others that are interested in this pathway. What advice do you have for young people in Gen Z that are saying, maybe this is my professional journey, maybe this is my professional path in what they can be doing to think about a life in politics or government service? Because you're truly like the gal to talk
4: to if Interested, right? You know, yes, please reach out to me if you want to run for office and take an eMERGE training. But I will say, you know, what we train our folks when they go through our boot camps or our signature trainings on how to run for office, there are different things that you need to think about. Whether it's, you know, do you have your family support? What type of seat are you looking for? What are your interests? What level of government do you want to run for? When we talk to folks, most people can name the president or maybe a member of Congress that they don't like or a U.S. senator. But when you get lower down on the ballot and you realize that those local elected officials are actually the ones who have the most impact over your day-to-day life, it's a different conversation, really nudging people to run for those seats, right? School board is going to impact you way more than some random higher-up elected official. And that actually might be a seat that you want to run for because you're more closely aligned with it. So thinking through that, and then also when you want to run for office, you know, really honing in on the why people think, you know, it's money, power, privilege, but running for office, those are long hours. Those are hard conversations. There are ups and there are downs. It can be lonely at times and really thinking through, is that something that you want are the trade-offs worth the rewards and the change that you are looking to implement? And how do you handle that in your day-to-day life?
1: I think that's such a, an important, like, introspective piece that you are walking people through because, uh, well, even an educative piece. Like, you talked about the training, but there are a number of people, you know, you identified, like, your school board member can actually have ripple effects on your children, your neighbors and the people that really make up your community by what is taking place in those schools. I come from an education background. So I'm like, the school board might as well be the Lord of all the land because uh, they really, it's like a 20, you talk about delayed gratification, the impacts of a school board decision can have uh, influences on kids 20 years down the road. And people don't realize that. So
4: like, do you want to read books?
1: Yeah books? Do you want to learn about certain topics? Do you want to have funded teachers? Would you like to make sure students have operating buses, like small stuff that is so necessary that people think um, that school board is just like a, a bigger
4: version of the, the, the PTA? And I'm like, no, the PTA is also still important. Some school boards have multi-million or billion dollar budgets. Gigantic. So you have so much more impact than mm-hmm. you would think.
1: Well, I think about, like, I'm in Nashville, so it's, it's interesting that you shared about that candidate in Tennessee, and we're an interesting place for politics, I'll tell you that. Our school board members, like, they oversee a significant, you just look at, like, the Metro Nashville School District and how much oversight and how many council members there are on the school board. It's a lot. It's a huge number of people. I'm thankful that I got a good one in my backyard, but really those, there's so many, like, I think in the last three years, we've, we've all, I hope have woken up to say like, okay, well, we're learning that laws happen and everyday people are technically part of creating laws and policies and whatever it is, um, that there's a lot of things in our own backyard that matter so much more, as you've pointed out, than our Congress members or uh, our senators like that impact our day-to-day lives. Like I'll tell you right now, I've been paying a lot of attention to the state Senate in Tennessee because their decisions make an impact on my everyday life more than some of these like federal laws. So uh, I think you and I could just have a, an entire podcast on like things you should vote for because it's important. And why we need good people in those spaces is something you've clearly pointed out is we need our communities to actually like our government to reflect our communities. Um, and that's just not currently the place. So do you think you'll ever run for office?
4: Are you always going to be like the, the pump up coach getting people ready? I love that. Pump up, coach. I'm going to add that to my email signature. But I will say right now at this point, right, I love my job because of the breadth of impact. I've been in places where I worked for one candidate or I worked to register voters and you get to see like the incremental or small impacts of that. But when you're working at a national organization and doing this at scale, like Emerge has trained over 5,500 candidates, 1,200 of them are elected and sit in office today. So for me, that's really exciting just to think about the impact, not just in one community, but in thousands of communities all across the country and how many bad bills are passing through numerous state legislators or just thinking through bathroom bills, anti-trans bills, book bans, and What gets me excited is realizing that there are women that my team, my organization has trained that are fighting back against that. So it would be really hard for me to take a step away. You know, I would have to run through that checklist that I mentioned earlier on what to do if I want to run for office. But right now, I just love knowing that the work that I'm doing is meaningful because these people are being empowered by it to go and fight back against bad bills or write better policies for us all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a, a really good point. And if you're doing good work to help other people do good work, then it seems like you're in a really good position, especially if it fills your cup, right? Like if you're like, I don't need to be the person yeah. writing the bills. Like I just want to make sure there's good people in the seat that needs to be filled and trusting that they will be able to do it. So it sounds like you're like, you got a job that you love. And I wish that for everyone. I, I do. really do wish that everyone has a job they love. Um, it makes for a happier world. So before we go, because I think I've learned so much about how the, the good work that you do, because you've, you've kind of had that more traditional, like working in politics line of the world. Now you're in this, uh, behind the scenes world. Uh, I wouldn't say behind the scenes, but you know, support role in the coach. Yeah. Yeah. You're the pump up coach. Like that's necessary. That's an important job at the, at a college or university, you're the highest paid uh, employee. Uh, so don't forget that. Um, the coach really does matter. And, You have really, I think, shared so much about the types of work that exist. That if you don't want to be the person behind the podium, or you don't want to be the person necessarily going through the election, that there's a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. for young people to pursue careers um, and deeply meaningful careers that can make a positive impact that aligns with with what Gen Z is looking for and kind of hoping to help contribute to evolving a system towards a better world. So I thank you for sharing that. But I. I really want to make sure, I always ask this question at the end, but what's your favorite thing about the Gen Z you work with? I know they're close in peer age, um, and I imagine you work with some as uh, colleagues, but um, certainly there's some that you're working with through other capacities. What's your favorite thing about Gen Z?
4: I will say Gen Z is not shy about pushing for what they deserve, right? There are countless experiences or stories that I can tell that were shared with me about how challenging or toxic campaigns were, different work environments, and really engaging with Gen Z and folks who, you know, are interested in hybrid work, who want really good pay and want to work hard and want to enjoy what they're doing, where it's not a strange conversation to be able to talk about how you're spending your time and also like, More than just this company that pays you, right? Because when we think about our grandparents, they were in the same jobs maybe for 40 years. They never really pushed back. And I think Gen Z and maybe what frightens people is that Gen Z is not afraid to push back, but that's actually making us better. You see a lot of organizations like Emerge, a lot of progressive organizations who are starting to unionize, who are thinking about the nature of work because Gen Z is pushing us to be better at it.
1: I think that is a really good summary of what because I see and it's, it's not just in like, listen, like if the Gen Z thing. or the youngest are s- kind of speaking up for something. Um, they're probably feeling at the, at the time and I've said it like at, uh, in their lives when they're most fluid and flexible in their identity and so it's critical in like how they're going to see the world. And I think this concept like that you've pointed out of they don't want to just spend 40 hours a week for 40 years doing the same job that isn't really fulfilling Um, I think a lot of them are like we don't have a future that's promised to us like I don't want to waste my life doing work that doesn't mean something to me and meaning looks different for everyone but I think the ownership of that mindset when it comes to work and investment of time is I want this to be of meaning and value I want this to be something that I deeply care about and that I'm passionate about, um, which I think previous generations have been like, That's a pri- having a passion is a privilege, not a right. And I'm like, who said, whoever said that? Like, that is such a kind of a thing that is told to say like, no, wait your turn to be happy, delay your happiness. And I was like, we don't, I don't know if we should use that mindset, the way that this place is going down.
4: So yeah. And I think it relates really well to politics, right? When people say, wait your turn. I will say Gen Z's really flipped that where it's like, why should we wait? And I think people from Gen Z or from different communities should actually keep that in mind when they want to run for office, because it's the same patriarchal paternalistic conversations of wait your turn or stay quiet until you get the chance to like voice your opinion. And people are pushing against that and changing really our culture. And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. And I think Gen Z is coming at it from all angles, right? Like, Uh, I do appreciate their uh, steadfastness of what they care about. So like, if they're going to care about it, they're going to care about it at work and they're going to care about it in the voting box and they're going to care about it online and they're going to care about it in their family life. Like they are like, this is what I care about. Um, And I think that that's like a really good model of integrity that like, they're not going to shy away from being like, I'm not working at your workplace because you're incredibly homophobic, right? Like they're not willing to sacrifice their values um, in any aspect of the environments they engage in. And I I commend them for that. They're kind of brave little badasses in that, right? Because I don't know if previous generations have been as bold.
4: Previous generations move over.
1: Right. I'm like, everyone's like, I'm scared of Gen Z. I'm like, you should be. Uh, no, I'm kidding. They're delightful. Um, well, Brianna, this has been so enlightening. I have absolutely loved spending time with you, uh, learning more about the great work that you all are doing at Emerge. Um, But your experience, like your professional experience is something that so many people can learn from. And I hope that there are young people in Gen Z listening, hearing kind of your story as a model, but then um, people that know Gen Z that are responsible for the career development can hear your story and say, that sounds like a person in my life that might need to, to know these things. So thank you for sharing that. You know, sometimes our listeners like to just stay connected with guests. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and stay up to date with the good work that you and Emerge are doing?
4: Yeah. So I will say at Emerge America on Instagram, Twitter, I believe we are on threads now as of maybe last week. So please follow all of our good work there.
1: I think we just, uh, we all just got on threads last week. It feels like it came like a thief in the night um, so fast. But yes, everyone, go be sure to follow at Emerge America. Uh, keep up to date with all the great work they're doing. Um, and Brianna, thank you again for being here and spending some time.
4: Definitely. Thank you.
2: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra.
1: Another big thank you to Brianna Carmen for joining me on today's episode. She's really doing such important work to ensure Gen Z has a place in today's political environment and helping ensure that this is a generation that's a political force, and not just in voting, but finding careers that they're passionate about through civic service. So whether you are Gen Z or you are a leader that can inspire Gen Z, I think there's so much we can learn from Brianna's story and the work that she does to make sure that we're all represented in the government. We still have some great new episodes ahead in season five We have some fantastic guests to share their stories and insights. You don't want to miss this as we continue to explore Gen Z in the workplace. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe so you can get notified when new episodes become available. And while you're at it, go ahead and share this episode with a friend or colleague. This is a more the merrier kind of podcast, if you will. As always, you can reach out with any suggestions for topics or guests you want to learn from and about. I can be reached on my website, meganmgrace.com, and you can find me on Instagram, threads, and LinkedIn at meganmgrace. And a thank you to the team that helped bring this episode together. Pre-production support was provided by Jessica F. Stafios, and editing was supported by Leah Kramer. Thank you again for stopping by for this episode and the season so far. Let's continue this conversation. We'll chat soon.
0: waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our us-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Pulling up to
2: Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks.